The Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's the Four Horsemen. There it goes. Okay. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Late start, man. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the Four Horsemen podcast in a brand new studio location this afternoon. Uh, we are on a different day on Tuesday afternoon. We are not Four Horsemen today. It's just the two bands. The, it's the, two, the faithful the two ones. Stallions, yeah, I would say. Yes, the two faithful ones. So, uh, yes, we are here in the in the beautiful inner sanctum at Barberville Baptist Church in Waynesville, North Carolina, in uh, an undisclosed part of the building. And uh, we had somebody that knew something about cameras and sound to help us out today. So hopefully this yeah. looks and sounds uh, better than what I've been able to do because in my old age, I'm not as good as, uh, at technology as I have been in the past. <laughs> so we're glad that you can be with us. And um, I am... Ben Kerfman, I'm the currently the family pastor at Barberville Baptist Church here in Waynesville. I also have Ben Heisey with me, who is the, are you senior pastor, lead pastor? What do they call you over there? We're trying to be new, so we're saying lead. Lead, okay. You know, it's all so about he, terminology. Yeah, so you know he's the I mean? lead, he's the archbishop there you of go. I like Pole that. Creek Baptist Church in yeah. Candler, North Carolina, <laughs> just down the road. Yeah. And uh, so... We're going to jump in today and uh, have a little bit of conversation. We're kind of testing testing this new technology and everything out. If you're listening to this on audio, which mo most of you uh, download this on Apple Podcast or Spotify or something like that, you can get the audio at all those places. But we do have the video. Um, this should be streaming live to Facebook right now. So if you liked our Facebook page and you follow your notifications on there, you should have had something pop up whenever we started this stream so that you can watch us. And we're trying to get that on Facebook and YouTube. And so... Just bear with us as we're working through the the technology uh, end of things. Um, but we do appreciate you listening. We want to hear from you. If you have ideas, topics, questions that you want us to discuss, we're always open to hearing more of that kind of stuff. And uh, hopefully the other guys will be able to uh, join us uh, as their schedule allows and maybe even have some, some other special guests. So today, um, I think the subject that we had talked about is... Remind, remind me. I'm supposed to be yeah, hosting, sure. but obviously I'm not doing a good no, job. No, just so. really the, the... Why are we here? <laughs> the, the Christian responsibility in terms of uh, government authority and authorities in general. Yeah. 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 And so, so we've talked a little bit kind of on and off in, in various episodes about that. But I agree that I do think that it's a very relevant topic uh, for us today. Um as we see, you know, we've kind of taken for granted, I think, for many, many decades and several generations that uh, we don't really have to think about the relationship between the church and the American government because historically they've uh, generally been able to get along pretty well. And uh, our country was kind of uniquely founded on, on more Christian principles than most countries were. And freedom of religion is something that is uh, somewhat unique to America. So, over the course of history here in this country, the state has kind of stayed out of the church's business mm -hmm. and we haven't really had to think about these things, but right. I think that's changing culturally. And I think we're seeing more and more government intervention in the church and more and more conflict between things like Christian morality and the Christian worldview and right. the worldview that's being perpetuated by the government and um, the public education system and the colleges and all this kind of stuff. So I think it I think it warrants some more discussion. So certainly. So certainly. maybe uh maybe the place to start is is talk about uh what actually is the issue. Mm -hmm. So what do you what do you think when we think about the relationship between the American government and the church in twenty twenty one, what do you think are, are the, the big issues or the big questions that we really need to be uh dealing with? Yeah, I think it's a good question, Ben. Um, you know, a lot of our people like you were saying, traditionally, the government has stayed out of our business um, in terms of our livelihoods, our home life, um, and really what we do with our body, you know, what we put into it, what we put on it, um, all the above. However, here recently, we've seen people who are really faced with 
um, decisions about their livelihood. Um, am I going to get the vaccine, for instance, um, in order to keep my job? I think that a lot of people are faced with that. Um, I've heard of a few people, even uh, one in particular associated with my church, who was faced with that decision and decided to resign their position, and uh, their family is now moving to Texas um, to, to take a job uh, that way. So um, not only that, but even you know, as simple as when you walk into a store, there are, uh, of course, store by store, business by business, they're all enforcing the mask mandate in Buncombe County differently. Um, right now, we're currently under a mandate in Buncombe County by the county commissioners. So some places enforce it, some don't. I personally um, walk in without a mask. And, you know, just the other day, it was the first time since the new mandate was put back, we, uh, I went into a place and they actually told me I had to wear the mask in order to stand in line after I bought my food that I could take it off and didn't have to put it back on. So, you know, there's a lot of questions I think Christians are asking in terms of what, what am I responsible to do as a believer and what does God's word say about these kind of mandates and the government's intervention, you know, in my day-to-day life. Yeah, so I think those are those are two very relevant examples, right? What do you do with with wearing masks? What do you do with vaccines? Right. I think we would both be in agreement, and I mm-hmm. think any reasonable person would be in agreement that I don't know everybody's personal health situation. I don't know what conversations they've had with their doctor, and mm-hmm. so uh, my general position is is I am not going to make assumptions about people if mm-hmm. they are or aren't wearing a mask, or if they do or don't get a vaccine. Correct. Uh, you know, I, I have. A mixture of people in my congregation, some of them have some health issues and, and they say, I, you know, I feel like I need to take these different measures of either being vaccinated or getting a mask or social distancing or whatever in order to, in order to, to be a good steward of my body. And in that right. case, I would say, well, the Bible commands us to do that. And so mm-hmm. if that's what your conscience tells you, and if you feel like that that's important in your situation, then absolutely go, go ahead and do that. Nobody's upset at you. And likewise, I know people all, uh, on the, on the opposite end that say, uh, you know, I actually have a, a conscience issue with wearing the mask or with taking a vaccine. And uh, and so I'm not able to participate in those things because of my conscience. And in that case, I would say, well, Scripture seems to indicate that, you know, uh, if it if it is violating your conscience, then it is a sin for you to do those things right. to, to go against conscience. And so right. um, and and so I think any reasonable person can kind of make that decision. The problem is government is not good at making precise application of the law. That's it's correct. good at, at broad generalizations. You know, don't don't take another person's life. That's a broad generalization. You know, in any situation where you have to take a person's life, uh, unless it's self defense and should be clearly uh, a last resort situation. Right. Um, the government can can issue a law like that. You know, sure. don't don't go over the speed limit. That speed limit applies to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a general broad law. It works really well. Correct. When you say, you know, hey, you uh, you got to wear a certain type of clothing or you've got to take a certain type of medication. Well, I mean, that would be like telling everybody in the community, well, all y'all got to take insulin shots. Well, for some people, yeah, that could be life-saving. That could be great for them. For other exactly. people, it could be really bad for That's them right. to do that. Yeah. And so it, when you try to apply something broadly that doesn't actually apply broadly, you end up in trouble, right? So here, so here's the thing that I, that I want to ask that I think is kind of it's kind of an elephant in the room, right? We we go there, that's you know, and, and as we always say, you know, we these, want these, to be these are our opinions. Yeah. You know, we're not saying everybody in our churches agree with this, or even the other pastors that we serve with may have different opinions. And and the whole point of this is to be able to have conversations that are helpful to you, the listeners. So if you're watching and you're listening, you're going to be thinking some of these questions, and you're like, nobody's really saying things about it and so we want to say the things that people are thinking right but try to do it in a respectful yeah you know way yeah. that honors the lord so yeah. one of the things that comes to my mind with with what you're saying is and we've talked about this in recent episodes of narratives right? right there's a bunch of narratives out there so when you say you know you know of a person who their job came to them and said you've got to get a vaccine you're going to lose your job they said i'm out i'm i'm not going to get the vaccine right. and i'm moving to texas the land of the free right. you know, where i can do what i want yeah um so and that's not like a like a like a parable this is a real person that you know of that's, that's in a situation factual information right and correct. and and there are many people that are kind of making those similar kind of decisions now that's a big decision to uproot your whole family mm-hmm. and move literally across the country and take a job because you feel so strongly that you don't want to take this vaccine. That's right. Now, as far as the, the science of the vaccines, you know, 
we don't have to go into all that on here. You can go online. There's medical journals. There's studies. There's there's a there is actual scientific research, not mm-hmm. something on a news page, that you can read about. The, the you know all the vaccines are different, right? Mm-hmm. Different companies. They're all a little bit different. Correct. The studies are a little bit different. Some mm-hmm. of them have more information than others. You got to look at what population they're studying. There's a lot of factors there, sure. right? That's so correct. so again, we can't make a blanket statement on here like. Well, I think all vaccines are like this or like that. You you got to look at things on an individual basis. And like I said, a person's individual body may respond to certain things differently than others. That's true. Yeah. So, so that's, that's one of the, that's one of the issues. But I think one of the kind of elephants in the room that's hard for people to talk about is talking about these issues outside of the narratives. Right. So when you say, Hey, I know somebody that refused the vaccine mm-hmm. and moved to Texas, mm-hmm. the, there are narratives out there that are going to say, well, that person did that because they don't believe in science mm-hmm. uh, or because they think that the vaccine is the mark of the beast or right. it has like a microchip from Bill Gates in it or mm-hmm. something like that. Right. Right. Or, um, or that person is uh, not loving their neighbor. Or, I mean, there, there's a lot of narratives that are out there that exactly. are assume, and it assumes motive. Right. Right. You're not actually asking the person, Hey, what is your actual reason for this? It's assuming that person's motive. Anytime you do that on either end, you know, it's the same thing. If somebody goes and gets a vaccine and wear a mask, there's narratives that are like, well, this person's a sheep or this person just does whatever they're told and they don't they don't really care about standing up for truth. Exactly. You don't know that. Again, you don't know that person's situation and what their reasoning yeah, is. Exactly. So for this person that you know, mm-hmm. do you know their reason for actually saying to their job, I'm sorry, I can't do that? Do you know what their reason is? I honestly don't know specifically. Okay. Uh yeah, I honestly don't know. Um, I, I could make assumptions that would probably be right, but no, I, I don't know specifically. So do no. you know people that, for instance, and, and I, I say I say uh, against the vaccine, mm-hmm. and the reason why is because the, I think the, the normal position in society mm-hmm. right now is pro-vaccine. Right. So I'm not saying that there aren't arguments that could be made for the vaccine. Again, I have I have friends and family and others that have made different decisions about that. Exactly. The reason why I'm talking about the anti-vaccine is because you're not hearing as much of that narrative. Right. right. Uh, which is the reason why I'm influence or, or emphasizing that. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so let's say you know you're talking you're talking about the vaccine. If a person if a person's employer comes to them, which many are having to do right now, and saying, "True, you got to get this," mm-hmm. and they say no. Can that person actually have a valid reason for saying no? Or are they anti-science and they don't love their neighbor and they don't? Right. Uh, that, that's a question. I think I think that that's the big question is, is it possible for a person to resist these things for a non-political reason? Yeah. Because the, assum- the assumption that I hear, I have friends that, that are more liberal than I am. And the assumption that I hear is, is you, uh, you, you're against the vaccine because you're pro-Trump. Right, they'll associate it with a Trump thing or a Republican yeah. thing or a conspiracy theorist thing. Which that's or really an unreasonable argument, just because the vaccine was created under Trump's administration. Right. And he himself yeah. took the vaccine, so right. That's really a illogical argument, right, from its foundation. But I see what you're saying. They're trying to put people into camps and divide exactly into pro and against and and all these other things. You know, so I, I think it really comes down to respecting that person's opinion. Now, we do have scientific facts problem is is people don't know which uh facts or that a lot of times people don't know where to get the facts and they also Mm -hmm. if they do know where to get the facts they don't know whether to trust them or not i do think there are valid reasons not to take the vaccine though um one being uh even just a a conscience of the research um, methods used to create vaccines you know there is a lot i know in particular the johnson and johnson vaccine where technology that was used on aborted fetal tissue was used to create that vaccine. Uh, given that was back in the 1970s, they did use that same technology to create these, this vaccine. So, you know, I do think that there are moral uh, reasons not to take the vaccine. And I think the problem uh, comes into play when, like you said, they people generalize all people into this one um, pocket. You know, it's better for humanity if you get the vaccine. Well, the problem is, is when you look at a society as a collective, you always devalue the individual. I mean, it always works that way. I mean, you look at every society that has embraced communism or socialism or um, in terms of like Nazi Germany with a, with a dictatorship. It was all about let's all come together for the greater good. 
And it sounds great, but as Christians and those of us who have studied history, we understand that that is actually a problematic way to look at society and life because then you forget about the individual who has a specific uh, uh, you know, interests and specific beliefs, and then you lose the, the value of that individual. What happens to the minority? When you talk about the greater good, the minority always gets trampled on. And the, the minority view always gets trampled on. So I think when we look at even the American experiment, the reason America has done so well for so long as a democracy, um, I think uh, our nation is now, what, 245 years old or something like that? Um, when, we, when you think about that, um, the, the reason that I believe our nation has, has done so well is because we respect individualism so much. We don't ask the question of the greater good. I do believe that's a valid question in some situations, but we've always asked what is what is better for the individual as Americans, mm. and I think that we need to continue to ask that. And really, it all comes back to a worldview. Um, I think people who look to government as the in all be all are going to be more likely to follow everything the government says. I think someone with a biblical worldview is going to see that there is there is something out there that transcends governmental authority, and that's the authority of, of God Almighty. And as Christians, I think we are to respect our government um, in terms of, you know, understanding that God has given that, that authority. But at the same time, we understand that when it conflicts with our Christian conscience and the word of God, we have to obey the greater authority, which is God. Yeah, I agree. So so let's let's kind of unpack that a little bit, because I do think that that is, that is really where the question is. So I think, you know, you have kind of three levels that you can argue. You can argue on an ethics level of, you know, uh, what's good or bad kind of morality uh, and the practical application of morality, right? Mm -hmm. We can argue about those things. Sure. Then you can argue about, uh, you know, epistemology or the, how do you know question, right? So mm -hmm. like, how do you know that people have individual rights? Right. Like, so for instance, like freedom of religion, like how do you know that that should be a right that a person has or, or uh, conversely, the argument that's being made now is uh, sexual orientation and gender identity. Right. Well, how do you, how do, how do you know that that's an, a right? You mm -hmm. know, or abortion is considered by even some on the Supreme Court to be a constitutional right. Well, how do you know that that's a constitutional right? That's right. So question. then that's a question. Mm -hmm. But then even underneath that, you have the ontology of uh, what what is actually real mm -hmm. and what's real is the basis of of everything that we have. So if you have this kind of existential view of things where like, like you hear people say, well, that's, the, they're speaking their truth mm -hmm. and I'm speaking my truth. What that shows is, is that on an ontological level underneath everything, that person's personal experience basically determines reality that, that they determine reality. That's very problematic. And so, yeah, yeah. And so, and so, and when you combine that with individualism, then what you end up with is, people who are their own gods living in their own universes Agreed. and they're constantly colliding with each other. Whereas mm -hmm. like you said, when you're, when the Christian appeals to a transcendent uh, origin for reality and even for themselves, then uh, what I feel like is real or what I feel like I experience or what I feel like is true or what I feel like the application of that is true is really all coming from a transcendent source. And it's not based on my personal experience or my, my position. You know, like, like, uh, example again would be something like abortion. You know, well, you're a man, you don't have a right to speak to abortion. And like, well, argu arguments don't have body parts, right? So, Correct. so if there is a, if there is a transcendent source of truth, right, which is God who created reality, created man and woman, creates babies in the womb, creates all these mm -hmm. kind of things, and he's revealed himself in scripture, then, uh, my opinion about what I think is going on in a woman's womb is totally irrelevant. That's right. Uh, or what I, I don't get to decide who is and isn't a person or who Correct. is and it isn't value. No, all of a sudden, all of those things are out of my control because right. I don't create my own reality. That's right. And I think I think in society, we're, we're living that way. So then so then the question comes with with these broad applications of things like masks and vaccines, for instance, which mm -hmm. is the current cu cultural conversation. Right. Is uh, does does my personal understanding of. Uh, the efficacy of mask or vaccines or the ethical issues, like you said, with the board of fetal cells or whatever, 
does my personal understanding of that define what is actually real? And if the answer is yes, that that's my truth, mm -hmm. then it's okay for me to press that on everybody else because they're all a part of my universe right. that I'm in control of. Yeah. So then I can speak to this. You are, then I can assume motives because I can say, because you don't agree with my truth of the way that I see the world, then then you're a bad person or you're immoral or right. you don't love your neighbor or you don't believe in science or you don't do whatever. That's correct. Whereas if there's an objective truth of like, okay, well, you're, God actually made you as an individual person. Your body is individual. It's different from everybody else's body. Mm -hmm. And uh, he has blessed us with the ability to create uh, medications and and use the scientific method to discover things about the world and try to improve our health. And we should be very much for that and thankful for that. Sure. And yet at the same time, my, my perception of reality does not change the way that your body actually exists. Right. Right. So, so yeah. for instance, you know, if, if somebody is allergic to gluten and I say, you know, well, in my world, nobody's allergic to gluten. I think that's a fake allergy, and so you should just take the gluten because you're not really allergic to it, and that person has an allergic reaction and dies. That's evidence that my reality is actually not False. reality. It's, yeah, it's incorrect. You know? yeah. Um, which I can make an argument against Catholicism on that ground, too, because you know, people with gluten allergies still can't take communion, even though it supposedly turns into Jesus, but... That's a it's that's crazy. That's a different conversation, but yeah, exactly. But I think um, so. So I think you make a really valid point of of in American culture. One mm -hmm. of the things that has made us distinct is thinking more about the individual. That's and of correct. course, we can we can make arguments of how there's pros and cons to that too. Oh yeah, um, there is. We are too individualistic sometimes, especially within the church. Correct. Because we forget that the church is as actually derived from from Eastern culture that Christianity is actually. Uh, rooted in East in an Eastern religion with an Eastern understanding of like the family unit and the community and things like that. Right. And, and I, I've told people recently, um, I think that the, the modern church in America actually has a lot to learn from the black community in America, because um, one of the things that, that they uh, have not lost historically is, is that um, uh, less individualistic culture right. of like community. Uh, yeah. Of like, yeah. yeah. The, uh, people are my family. These, Large pe these family people are like me. Support. We're all together. Yeah. You know, if you're against uh, one of us, you're against all of us. Um, that kind of, I think the church actually should function that way. Right. Instead of it being like it is where it's like in New York and somebody gets stabbed and everybody just walks by while they bleed to death. Cause it's like, well, it's not my problem. Right. You see what I mean? For sure. Um, like I think that, I think that's one of the cultural things of, you know, when, like for instance, when a, an African American person is uh, shot and it becomes a thing on the news, a lot of people get, uh, a lot of white people get upset. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm not woke by the way, by saying this, I'm just making it a real observation they get upset, but I think part of it is just a cultural misunderstanding because, I, because I think, uh, people, people like me, I didn't grow up to where if, if my neighbor that looked like me got attacked where I felt personally attacked, I was just like, I'm doing my thing over here. They're doing their thing over there. Right. But in the black community, because they've had to stick together historically because, because there was discrimination and there was racism and there was those kind of things. It's been one of those things of like, well, if that person gets hurt, who says that I'm not next? So right. I got to look out for my neighbor and take care of my neighbor because if my neighbor is, is, is being treated unjustly or, or if my neighbor is being sinned against, then that's no different than me being sinned against and my neighbor standing up for me. Right. So I need to be there for them. They need to be there for me. And a lot of American culture, we've kind of lost some of that. We have. Um, and so, so there is a disadvantage to kind of the extreme individualism that we've had in America. But right. I think when it comes to things like uh, medical freedom, Right and things like that. I, I do think the individualism is beneficial, like you've pointed out. Yeah. So so let's get let's get underneath the political level because that's where everybody wants to talk. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to say, well, your opinion on mask is based on what political party you vote for, or what candidate you like, or how you were raised, or whatever it is. Let's get underneath all of that and let's talk about the theological uh, conversation yes. uh, surrounding this. So. Theologically, um, because people are trying to use the Bible to make arguments. Right. They'll say, Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Well, if you're uh, not protecting yourself from a disease that's transmissible and you contract that disease and you transmit it to your neighbor, then you're hating your neighbor right. by transmitting it to your neighbor. 
Is that a valid argument? Well, I think I think it goes back to to the facts. You know, it's like the you know there is one camp that always says let's follow the science, and I I certainly think you should if you can if you can validate that science. You know, I think there's just a lot of um, there was a lot of a lot of miscommunication in our society. There's a lot of um, people mixing in their opinions and their views when it comes to trying to dictate what other people do. And what it's created is it's created an atmosphere of um, distrust in our nation and I think across the world. A lot of people have trouble believing that a paper mask will keep in a microscopic virus, you know, and not to mention that it's um, suggested that when you go into a restaurant, you walk in with the mask and then when you start eating, you can take the mask off. To a lot of people, they're like, well, so the virus doesn't spread when I'm eating, you know, or even like with the lockdowns um, and the curfews. So the virus doesn't spread before 10 p.m., you know. So right. so I think the issue is, is that you have humanity trying to solve a problem that humanity is not equipped to solve. Humanity is trying to, from a government perspective, we know what's best and here's how we can solve it. And hum- human beings are not stupid. And as they think through all of these mandates, they're they're thinking to themselves, this doesn't make sense. It's like a small child, five-year-old child. You know, you may talk poorly to your wife or disrespect your wife or call her a name. And then your child calls their brother or sister a name and you say, don't do that. The child looks at you and says, well, you just called mom a name. Why can't I do that? So, you know, we're, we're like that. We, we, we watch, we pay attention. And I think the government has made so many mistakes, and I think that there are so many illogical mandates that they've placed on the people. The people are, are asking questions, and I think that's exactly what we should do. It really all goes back to the sin problem. I mean, obviously, COVID-19 is a product of the sin curse. Death is the product of the sin curse. Poverty, hunger, all the above is a product of the sin curse. So anytime humanity tries to jump in and soften the effect of the sin curse, we find that it's not always that easy. Um, it's inevitable that we're going to live under the curse. And the only way to receive hope outside of that curse, of course, is through Jesus Christ. So, you know, as long as humanity, as we've said, tries tries to be their own God, tries to enforce mandates on people to try to curb this virus, I think at the end of the day, um, we just need to be careful not to be controlled by fear. Um, the Bible is very clear that we should not fear as believers in Christ. But I do think that there is a, a balance that we need to reach as believers that when it comes to you know, a, a mandate or when it comes to you know, me going and visiting someone's home and they, they say, you know, Ben, I would prefer that you wear a mask in my home, then as a believer, I need to put that mask on because I need to respect their space and I respect their home. Now, in a public venue, I have more trouble doing that. Because then it becomes, well, as you were talking about, even an ethical question, well, whose ethics? You know, you're telling me that I am being irresponsible by not wearing that mask, when in reality, whose ethics are we talking about? Um, and then there's also the argument between what is a law, a federal law, a state law, or even a county mandate. You know, so, so there's so many arguments out there that I think people are just in a constant shock of change mm-hmm. because they're trying to comb through all this. And then you put on top of that, uh, children having to wear masks at school. And then you see pictures of our politicians at huge uh, wedding receptions of a billion-dollar heiress, and no one's wearing masks. And they're crammed into this huge hall, you know, drinking booze and everything else with no masks on. So, again, you have the inconsistencies, and because of the imperfections of the government, I don't think they're ever going to be able to effectively um, manage a crisis like this or any other crisis that may come. You know? Yeah, I mean, as, it's like I said, government is good for doing certain things, and it's not good at doing Everything Correct. has its place, sure. right? Sure. And so, you know, uh, try, trying to uh, protect an individual person's health from their own choices with the, with the legal system or with the government is like trying to hammer a nail with a bulldozer. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, you might get it, you might get it in somewhere. You might tear the whole house down in the process, but it's, it's not, it's not made for doing certain things. It's not something that, something that I came across in study recently, a week or two ago that, that really, uh, just kind of gave me some perspective is, um, and I'm trying to think, I believe, 
I believe it was Her- Herman Bobbink. It could have been somebody else, but it might have, I think it was him. Um, was talking about a good citizenship, you know, and as believers, uh, we want to be good citizens. That's, That's right. something that we should strive for. Uh, we are we are pro civil government mm-hmm. as a people. Uh, mm-hmm. We believe that uh, the scripture clearly teaches that God ordained the civil government, that it's His idea, right? That all of their authority comes from Him, and that He gives it to them uh, to restrain the wicked. That that's part of why it exists, and that's it's correct. for the good of human flourishing. So. Right. We are not anarchists. We are not wanting the whole government to come crashing down. And we also do not put all of our hope in the government. And so it's okay if somebody that we don't agree with doesn't get elected or if, uh, you know, a law passes that we don't like. Or We're we're okay with that as the people of God because we understand that we're citizens of, of two different countries. That's and correct. One, you know, my American citizenship is going to last a few more decades. My heavenly citizenship lasts forever. That's so right. no matter how bad things get here uh it's temporary in the scope of my lifetime that is correct yeah at the same time this uh writer made the point that uh because of our worldview because of the biblical worldview just like we've been talking about government is imperfect mm-hmm. and government is sinful and the the tendency of governments is to acquire power mm-hmm. because because they're trying to solve problems. Some of the motives may be good of trying to solve problems. And so the tendency is to try to acquire more power in order to solve more problems. Uh, but But the issue is that the government is comprised of sinners, just like everything else. And so when you give sinners power without enough accountability, they end up sinning because that's, we, we, we would do the same thing that they do given the same circumstances. So we can't, we can't sit there and say, well, you know, if I was in office, I I'd straighten all this mess out. Well, if you were in that person's situation with the amount of authority that they're given and with the pressures and various things that they're facing, you don't really know uh, what's going on in that person's mind and the decisions that they're making. So Mm -hmm. again, we don't want to assume motives. No. We don't want to assume that everything the government does that we don't like is evil or that those people hate God or whatever. We don't know all their individual relationships with God and their worldview and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But because we believe sin's real, because we believe everyone is a sinner, and because we believe governments are comprised of sinful humans, and because the tendency of government is to acquire more and more power over time, then the only way to prevent... Uh, a government that's designed to restrain the wicked from becoming wicked itself is accountability. That's right. And we see the same thing in the church, right? Mm -hmm. In in the church government, you have Mm -hmm. church discipline. And and even then that begins with personal accountability between one another as believers. If if you see that I'm in sin in some way, you have a responsibility according to the word of God Mm -hmm. to come and confront me and just say, Hey, again, not assuming my motives, Mm -hmm. but saying, Hey, do do you see how like this is not taking you down the right path? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And nine times out of 10, the hope would be that I'm like, Oh, you know what? You're right. That I'm going to go the other direction. Everything's cool. Right. And then you end up with uh, excommunication at the end of the church discipline process of you're not even a believer because you have no repentance, no response to the word of God. Well, the civil government functions in the same way. Right. You know, if you if you make an honest mistake, most of the time you're going to get a warning or, or or a ticket or, you know, something that's that's not fatal. But if you make grave mistakes, it ends up with capital punishment where you're basically excommunicated from this life. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. By the civil government. Which I think is biblical. By I, I do, too. Yeah. We could do a whole episode yeah. on that. But, yeah. you know, the sword is in the hand of the king. He does not bear it in vain. That's right. In the scripture. That's right. And yeah. so so there has to be accountability on every level. There now. Is. The Founding Fathers, interestingly enough, kind of designed the American experiment to be that way, to have checks and balances exactly. and different houses and different branches of government to try to instill that accountability. And, of course, right. one of the issues that we see now is is that level of accountability is not nearly what it was a, a long time ago. The same sure. thing even yeah. with the relationship between states and the federal government. Mm-hmm. I think, in a way, we're almost kind of circling back and having those same kind of conversations. Oh, yeah. Um, that and I think that's a natural on. cycle of any right. government, huh? So then the question is, we agree that we should be good citizens. And being a good citizen means doing what is best for the other citizens mm-hmm. and doing what is best for the government. Right. But since we believe that the government is sinful, then uh, providing correction to the government actually is being a good citizen. Right. So I think I think one of the arguments that people are not considering, for instance, you said uh, that you'll go in some in some places where there's technically a mask mandate and not wear a mask. Right. Okay. 
the word for that is civil disobedience. Exactly. That, that's what it is. Yeah. Exactly. Now, some people would say, just put the mask on, man. It's not a big deal. Right. Right. But the question is, is it good for the government to be able to tell me to do this? Right. And if and if the government is actually infringing on my rights, regardless of the the mask or not, right? right. It's not really about the mask. Right. If the government is actually overstepping their bounds, overstepping their God-given authority, and I allow them to do that, I'm actually being a bad citizen. Exactly. I'm actually not loving my neighbor, and I'm not loving my government by exactly. doing that. Yeah. That's an argument that I don't hear a lot of people saying publicly. Right. Is sometimes resistance is good for the government. Right. The assumption is if you disagree with the government, then you're just stirring up trouble or you're some kind of rebel or whatever. But the reality is, is the government's not always right. That sure. doesn't mean we're against the government. That right. means we want it to succeed. We want it to succeed. And allowing right. the government to to confiscate our freedoms and to and to take away our individual uh, personalities and decisions and wills, allowing them to do that is not only bad for us as citizens, but it is bad for them ultimately because ultimately they will destroy themselves with the power that they've been given. That's true. That's true. I mean, it's like in Ezekiel, you know, where... The, um, Ezekiel is being uh, called by God uh, to be a prophet, and uh, he's told there that basically if you see your brother or someone in your city sinning and you don't warn them against their sin, then ultimately their blood will be on your hands. However, if you warn them of their wicked ways and they turn from their wicked ways, or even if they don't turn from their wicked ways, but you were faithful to warn them, then their blood will not be on your account or on your hands. So I think it is important, like you said, to hold people accountable. You know, you could even make an argument. Some would some would say the way some Christians term and refer to Romans thirteen or First Peter chapter two as far as government authority, the way they talk about it, they would be saying that the American Revolution would have been wrong, mm -hmm. that that would have been rebellion against a a, a God uh, given authority, which would have been the British Empire, that revolting against the British Empire was a sin because that was not obeying the governing authorities. However, I really like how you how you put that in that um, the question back then would have been, well, is it good or is it right for the king of England to be telling me that I have to pay exorbitant amount of taxes without representation? And, well, and paying to a church that I'm not a member of. That's true. The good, yeah, that's right. The church for of a England. faith that I'm not a part of. That's right. Yeah. So there would have been several issues there. And then we fast forward to America today and we think about this government, the current government that we're living in. People don't want to talk about this, but they're using your tax dollars and my tax dollars to fund abortion. They are using our tax dollars to um, provide abortions in other countries, which is absolutely insanity. They are providing funding to educate the next generation in you know, uh, ideologies like CRT, you know, which is also antithetical to the Christian worldview. So when we start thinking about that, we start to realize, well, wait a minute. If I just roll over and say yes to everything they tell me to do, then I'm actually not obeying the word of God in warning the wicked against their wicked ways, and I'm also not standing up for righteousness. Um, our student pastor Chase preached this past Sunday about judging. You know, there's this, this thing out here about you know, don't judge me. You can't judge me. Well, the Bible actually does say to judge righteously. The Bible teaches us not to judge motives because we can't see a person's heart. Only God can. But if I'm seeing someone living in sin and it's blatantly in front of me and I don't warn them and I don't stand against that, then I'm not loving them. If I love them, I'm saying this is going to hurt you and this is going to hurt those you're closest to. You need to repent of your sin so that you can receive the freedom and restore your fellowship to Christ. So... I don't think the Bible teaches us just to roll over and allow anything to go. I do believe that we are to stand up for righteousness. I do believe that we are to stand up for what's right. And it all goes back to an individual understanding of value. I think sometimes, you know, individualism, you're right, it can be a bad thing because then it becomes a, a, my truth and your truth. And those truths can conflict but still be truth. Well, we know that's not, that can't be. I think what it really is is the Bible teaches of individual value. And what that means is is an individual is valuable whether or not they're a part of a community or not. They're valuable whether or not they contribute to society or not. You know, um, they're valuable no matter how smart they are. Um, the person who has um, mental handicaps is just as valuable as Albert Einstein, no matter what they can contribute to society. And we get that from a Christian worldview. So I think that's what's what's not happening right now in our societies. We're looking at it as a collective mind and we're saying you should wear a mask because it's better for everyone else. 
in, in doing so, I'm disregarding the individual's rights, and I'm disregarding their individual value as a human being. And really, as Christians, we are literally the only ones who can defend human value. We're the only ones that can defend the fact that every human being is of equal value, not only of equal value, but eternally valuable. That's why we can argue against abortion. That's why we can argue against uh, euthanasia. That's why we can argue against those things because we have a Christian uh, foundation and worldview, whereas an atheist or an agnostic or even a Muslim or a Hindu cannot make those same arguments because they themselves do not value life or have a solid foundation whereby life is valued. I mean, you think about even Buddhism. I mean, the thing about Buddhism is is that the goal is to be nothing. The goal is to reach nothingness. So what does that what does that do to the human mind? Well, the logical conclusion is is that my existence is evil. So now I'm devaluing myself and other people because we exist, and we should be one with you know nothingness. So the Christian worldview is the only one that says your existence is ordained by God, your existence is eternally valuable, and you're so valuable to him that he was willing to take on human flesh and die on a tree for you. And there's no other faith tradition that claims those kind of things. Right. Yeah. And and I think another uh, piece of the puzzle in thinking through these issues that a lot of people are not considering is um, every institution in the world is governed by a religion. Right. So I, every institution, so there are no neutral institutions. There are no government systems that are religiously neutral. Like that doesn't exist. That's a myth. Right. So what you're hearing when you hear, well, we shouldn't, religion shouldn't come into the picture is the religion of secular humanism. That's right. Which is an actual religion. It is. It is. It has an object of worship. Right. And it is the state, it is the state religion in America. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it is the religion that governs public education, it governs the media, it governs most of the governmental system. And so uh, our American government is a extension of the religion of secular humanism. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about things like vaccines or masks or any of that, it's we use the word worldviews, but another word for that is a religious system. So mm-hmm. it, it is a it is a conflict of religious systems when you talk about, for instance, personhood. Mm-hmm. The question of personhood is not a scientific question. Mm-hmm. That's you can't answer that with scientific evidence. No, no. Um, that is a theological question. And believe it or not, people who would say that they're not theological or say that they're not religious are able to speak to theological issues they believe because in they do have a religion. Yeah. Because they yeah. do have a religion. And a lot right? of times they borrow from Christianity, but they don't they have, have to admit to. it. Yeah. They have to every it, religion has to borrow from Christianity because it's the only one that's true. Correct. So you gotta yeah. you got you gotta steal a little bit in order to come up with something. That's right. That's and so right. so I think when it comes to to these questions and these issues, we have to look at it from the perspective of okay what religious system am I going to choose to side to side on? Right. And here's the interesting thing. Now, by religious system, again, we're talking about what what's defining reality. How do we know what's true and what's not true? We're not talking about the ethical issue. I think right. when you have Bible believing Christians that are truly saved uh-huh. that are going to be in heaven together, and one might wear a mask and one might not wear that's a mask, correct. or one yeah. might get a vaccine and one might not get and a that's vaccine. Okay, you know, yeah, and that's, that's and that's okay. okay. So we're not saying, well, if you're a Christian, then you just got to follow a certain way on these issues. No. Not but we are saying if you're a Christian, you need to think a certain way about these issues. That's you correct. may come to a different conclusion, but you need to ask yourself the question, when I deal with these issues and I'm thinking about these problems and making the decisions that I'm making, what religion is informing me in my thinking? Right. Is 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 this a Christian way to think about things or not? So, so for instance, because every institution is governed by a religion or a religious belief, one of them has to be in charge. Right. Because there's no neutrality. Correct. So then the question is, is there a religious system that is more beneficial for humanity in general than others? Now, our argument would be Christianity. Of course. Because Christianity is one of the only religions that allows other people to not be Christians. That's right. That's now, right. I want I want everybody to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to believe that Jesus is Lord. Yes. But... The way that I understand the Bible and the way that I understand Christianity is is because people have individual beliefs, because they make individual choices, 
Um, they are not all going to agree with me and that's okay because they don't have to answer to me. That's right. Which means if somebody wants to pray five times a day to Allah in their house in the country that I live in, and it's a Christian controlled government, Biblic with a biblical worldview, I'm not talking about Roman Catholicism no, and the Crusades. The Crusades that's what everybody said. What about the Crusades? That was I'm not, not Christianity. About that. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was not a biblical worldview. Yeah. But from a biblical worldview, yeah. I'm totally fine with a Muslim being a Muslim right. and a Hindu being a Hindu right. and a Satanist being a Satanist. I mean, our hearts you hurt know, for them because right. we, we, we desire for but them But my worldview allows, allows right. me to actually coexist with them yeah. and say, hey, listen, as long as you are not uh, violating another person with whatever your religious practices are, you're mm -hmm. not committing violence against someone or something like that. Mm -hmm. And by the way, words are not violence. Right. That has to be said now. But yeah. uh, speaking an idea that you... Have, having to hear something that you don't want to hear isn't violence towards you. That's right. Um, so people can, you know, uh, go out and speak their ideas or whatever they want to do. Right. And I can actually tolerate that and coexist with that right. person because of my beliefs. Right. The problem is other belief systems don't work that way. And one of the ones that is the most oppressive to other belief systems is secular humanism. Exactly. Because it has no tolerance for any other religious system. Well, and I think, I think, I think the reason for that is, is, I mean, if you look at like communist China, for instance, that is a beautiful example of secular humanism at its finest. You know, and, and, and I think the reason, and if you look at all of the religious groups in that nation, they're persecuted. If it does not follow under the Communist Party of China or under their approval, you know, we have uh, true Bible-believing Christians who are having to meet in uh, underground churches because they're not registered with the government because the government wouldn't approve their worship of Christ because the government desires worship. So what happens is, is when a human becomes God, like Xi Jinping or the, Com the Communist Party, then what you have is their fear of losing their power because they're only human. So what they do is, is in a in a effort to uh, consolidate their power and protect their power, they unleash uh, persecution on anyone who disagrees with them. And what that is is that's a fear of and really a um, a, a lack of confidence in their ability to be a god. It is really what it mm -hmm. comes down to. I want to be a god. Yeah, God. Yeah. God doesn't have a PR firm. No, he's not. He doesn't he's need not concerned. One. <laughs> yeah, he's not concerned about whether people agree yeah. with him or not. Xi Jinping is. Yeah, that's why he's killing uh, the Muslims. You know, the, the mm -hmm. Uyghur. I believe the Uyghur Muslims, and then also you know infringing on the rights of Bible-believing Christians. I mean, he doesn't. He's not uh, biased against one religion. He's biased against all religions that don't say we worship you, Xi Jinping. You know what I mean? So his thing is, is that he, in his heart, knows there's a God. He in his heart knows that he's not it. So he knows that he has to violently, vigilantly protect his power, mm -hmm. which is really run out of fear. And he fears the loss of power. He fears that. So, And that's a perfect example of human You see the same thing in Scripture, right? Yeah. The wise men come to Herod. Hey, where's the one that's born the king of the yeah. Jews? Oh, I better kill every baby to make sure yeah. that nobody else takes my throne. Well, listen, somebody who's securing their throne is not concerned about being challenged. Well, listen, how God's awesome. not, God yeah. is not breaking a sweat over China or North Korea or Afghanistan. He, he is not concerned about any of them taking him off his throne. That's right. Or challenging his authority or stopping him from yeah. doing what he wants to do. Well, think about the diametrically different way that God has dealt with the human need of salvation. God is not trying to kill everyone else to keep his power. He actually allowed himself to be killed in order to save us. That's mm -hmm. how powerful he is. That's how sovereign he is. And, and he gives away <laughs> his power. That's right. Yeah. Freely, you know, through his Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. you know. So so it's just amazing the, the, the difference of worldviews. And if people could just really see the beauty of Christianity— and I think that's why so many Muslims are coming to faith in closed countries because, especially women, I mean, I would hate to be a, a woman in Islam because there is literally no hope. Even in heaven, you think about it, every man gets 70 virgins. What does the woman get? You know, nobody talks about uh, what does a woman get when she enters into heaven in, in the Muslim faith or, or even the, the Mormon woman. You know, there's, mm -hmm. it's, it would stink. But in Christianity, we value women. We value men. We believe in equality of genders, just differing in roles. But the thing is, is that Christianity honors human freedom, human value more perfectly than anything else. And I think if people could really grasp that and understand that, um, it would change their lives. You know? Yeah. So, so I think 
to kind of wrap this up, I think we should probably do another one. Maybe next week we can get yeah, the more voices in on this. Yeah. Cause, cause I, and you guys let us know if you're listening to this, send us a, a message on Facebook or do a comment or something like that. Let us know if this conversation is helpful to you or uh, follow up questions and things that you want to have. Because I, I think a lot of people are not having reasonable conversations about these things. Right. And, and so I think if anything, to kind of summarize all of this, like, we believe in the individual dignity of every person. Amen. And we yeah. believe that God has given them uh, responsibility to make decisions for their own bodies mm-hmm. and that uh, we do not have the right to force a person to do something with their body or to put something on their body against their will, uh, even if we think that we're protecting that person from something. People have the right to be stupid. Right. People have the right to get themselves sick. They have the right to die if they choose that they want to die, even though we may not agree with the way that they do that. But that's part of the responsibility that they have mm-hmm. is over their own bodies and over, over their own conscience. And that's so right. at the end of the day, uh, we would, I think, agree and, and speak to the American government. You know, if, if I had an audience with uh any kind of powerful person in American government, which I doubt any of them listen to this podcast, but <laughs> if, if by some chance they were to listen, you know, uh, saying to them, um, I applaud your desire to see uh, people flourish with good health. Mm-hmm. Um, I applaud your, your desire to see people uh, have jobs and to be financially secure and for uh, families to be able to stay together and for, um, people to not be imprisoned uh, wrongly. Like I totally applaud all those things, but I would just remind the government to be good at what they're supposed to be good at. Right. And, and to less is not more, try to, I'm yeah, saying. to not try to fix the things that they're really not equipped to fix. Yeah. And the reality is we've seen this with all of our technology and all of our science and all of our medication and everything that we have. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, we have no sovereignty over microbes at all. Nope. Nope. <laughs> uh, we have no ability as human beings to eradicate a virus from the face of the earth. No. Nope. It's not possible for us to do it. And so that doesn't mean that we don't practice medicine. It doesn't mean that we don't uh, want to do science and do the research and, and take measures. But you've got to draw a line somewhere. And I think maybe this is where the next episode should go is, is, we all agree that measures need to be taken when there's a, a health crisis. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just do nothing. That that's right. that's not wisdom. Right. But we also agree that you can go too far, like some countries have done, like in Australia, for instance, where you where where you actually do more harm to a person psychologically and culturally and socially that actually affects that person's quality of life in a more negative way mm-hmm. than. Uh, preserving their health helps them exactly, and so I think maybe part of the conversation is where do, where do you draw that line? If, if we had if we had the right to tell the government what to do today, where would we say, hey, here's the line between really trying to take measures to protect people's health mm-hmm. and at the same time uh, helping them to flourish uh, alongside that? Because right. you can be very physically healthy and very unwell as a person. And True. I think we're seeing a lot of that in society. And so I would be interested to see if we get some other guys to jump on here to see uh, how they kind of weigh, weigh oh, in on yeah. that. Oh, yeah. So sure. thank you. Uh, thank you guys for taking some time to listen to us today. Again, uh, reach out to us. Let us know if this is helpful or if, if there's uh, some follow-up questions and things that we can answer for you. And we will see you next week, Lord willing. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review.